From BU Cares Research Center, this is Dr. Michelle Lamb and Dr. Jacqueline Kirk, and you're listening to Leaning In and Speaking Out, the Research Connection podcast. It's a podcast about the world we live in and how education can make a difference. These are conversations about curiosity and how researchers and educators are working in new ways. Each month on the show, we bring together a community member and a researcher to discuss a topic that's important to them. We are here today with Leaning In and Speaking Out, the Research Connection podcast. I am Jackie Kirk, and I am from the Department of Leadership and Educational Administration at Brandon University and one of the co-hosts of the podcast. Today, we're talking about Huddle Brandon, and we have a couple of guests on our show. Um, I'll let the three of you introduce yourselves, and uh, Sean, maybe we'll start with you. Yeah, my name is uh, Sean Funk. I am the uh, director of Huddle Brandon, and I work with Westman Youth for Christ here in Brandon. And I'm Chris Bromley. I am the director of mental health for Perry Mountain Health. And I'm Michelle Lamb. I'm the co-host of the podcast and the director of BU Cares Research Center. Okay, so let's just jump right into the questions. And let's start out with um, explaining to everyone what Huddle is. Uh, Chris, do you want to start with that? Yeah, sure. That sounds good. So Huddle is a, is a initiative that's from the um, Shared Health in the Department of Mental Health and Wellness and Recovery in Manitoba. Uh, and it comes through the United Way in Winnipeg. And it is um, a model that follows a similar international models of integrated youth services. So it's taking uh, mental health and addiction services and coupling them with social services, with recreation services, and all having them in one place, and specifically to have low barrier, easy access to those services so that youth can change the way that they access services, not need to go to all sorts of different places um, and be able to access it all in one place with that low barrier in mind. That's the, Mm -hmm. the key for the whole for the whole service. The other piece that's integral in the integrated youth services, which it is at Huddle uh, Manitoba and Huddle Brandon, is that you require a youth voice in the design and implementation of the services. So a youth advisory committee at minimum is required as part of that model to be able to integrate those services so that you know that you're actually reaching the people that you want to reach with the intended services that you provide. So in Brandon, that's located on Rosser Avenue. Um, it's a community collaborative partnership um, between many different agencies in Brandon, including Paramount Health, Youth for Christ, Brandon Friendship Center, uh, the Career and Employment Youth Services. Um, Addictions Foundation of Manitoba is an early partner, but they are now part of Paramount Health. So okay. the services within AFM are now part of Paramount Health anyways. Um, and we meet uh, and CERC and, and we'll, there's lots of different partners that we can get into, but um, you would have a clinical advisory, youth advisory, and then you try to bring those things together to make sure that you serve youth. The other key piece for integrated youth services is that you transition that 18 year old uh, gap. So instead of transitioning services at an arbitrary number of age 18, the services are from 12 to 29 and available to So it sort of bridges across that gap. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's an important piece in our community as Mm -hmm. we've been learning. um, One of the last podcasts that we did was about 
homelessness in rural Manitoba. And we talked about all the gap as yeah. students sort of aged out of some of the programs. Yeah. If you think of the number of services in a school, so you never get as many social and mental health and addiction services as you do as a youth and people wrapped around and cared for you. And an arbitrary number of 18 does not make sense for transitions of, of particular services. So, so this is part of that transformation of the system. So a small part of transformation of the system to be able to move to serve people in a better way. And so your role on the, on Huddle Brandon is to represent Prairie Mountain Health. Yeah, so I, I I hold a couple hats within Huddle Brandon. Um, so I'm not the only representative for Prairie Mountain Health. Part of this was that um, I was I was one of the initial people to bring it to the table to develop the proposal to bring it to Brandon, and part of that was also some commitment to Prairie Mountain Health of some time, uh, as well as my time within clinical advisory types of roles and that type of thing. So that's that's my role, but then there's also um, leadership and staff from a couple different programs within Paramount Health as well, who attend mm -hmm. and provide the service. So I don't provide the service, but I do a bit more of the advisory and, and working with Sean and Dwayne and, and uh, Gail and Eva, and I'm gonna miss somebody's name, which is the <laughs> trick of not listing names, but um, I, I provide more of a clinical advisory role with that and Jamie mm -hmm. as well. But we know it's a small kind of town because all the first names that you just mentioned, I knew who you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. So we know it's a small town yeah. when that happens. Yeah. One of the benefits yeah. of when we did the proposal is I saw the call out. I called all those people. We sat down and figured out how we were going to bring mm -hmm. it to Brandon together. Mm -hmm. um, and that that was a, I think that was the key in the development of, of our specific iteration of Huddle was that it was community minded from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't have to backtrack and try to bring the community in afterwards. Mm -hmm. And Sean, you did your practicum at Huddle. So do yeah. you want to talk a little bit about how that worked as a practicum and maybe how that impacted the project and mm -hmm. talk about things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, as the director of Huddle Brandon, like, I guess I've been tasked with kind of implementing on the ground, um, kind of all of these IYS or integrated youth service principles and, and, and bringing all the pieces together. Um, so, so one of these principles include, include kind of like co-design and delivery, uh, governance and evaluation of programming and services with youth and their families and community partners and 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 the clinical kind of folks that are that are coming to there to deliver to deliver the service and and because it's because Huddle Brandon is about uh, not just low barrier and access for youth but about transforming the system um, the youth voice is very necessary for that to happen. But it's also really necessary to have um, all of our service providers around the table speaking into the design as well. Um, if they're not around the table, then the system doesn't change. Um, so when I heard about the practicum at, at uh, Brandon University, I was like, well, I need to work on this anyway. Um, <laughs> this is going to this is part of my role in my in my job. And I need I need some um help i think in both form like in structure of of doing this which the practicum is helpful for giving me some structure around 
Um, what are my goals? How am I going to work on this? And then also some mentorship, which which Chris provided, um, being with Prairie Mountain Health and having experience in leadership um, in working with individuals from different agencies that don't like officially report to him, which is a necessary skill in my role at Huddle. I'm working with service providers from, you know, six, seven, eight different agencies. There's 30 of them, you know, once we get up and going and, and, and I don't have direct, you know, kind of hierarchical mm-hmm. influence or, or yeah, influence. Mm-hmm. I need to, I need to lead um, more by influence than by command. Right. <laughs> so um, I, that was kind of the appeal in the practicum is, is learning from Chris and pulling together this clinical advisory committee of, of uh, those that are going to be providing the services there um, in a way that's going to match what we provide to the, what the youth yeah. need. So without um, the structure of the practicum, would you have gone about it in the same way? Like, absolutely. Not. I, <laughs> I had the opportunity to read your journal and mm. things like that, but was that process valuable for you? Yeah. Like I found, I mean, it, it kind of felt a bit wrong at the beginning that I was doing work that I was going to do anyway, and then getting school credit for it. Um, but I think it it gave me, a, like I said, a lot more form or structure around what I was intending to do. So, I mean, I sat down with you, Jackie, and we talked about what would be my goals. How would I know that I met them? And I don't think I would have been that intentional from the outset with, with, with forming a clinical advisory committee. Um, I would have just made a few phone calls and it wouldn't have been as intentional as it would have been from the beginning. And then as we tracked along, then there was uh, even just the documenting was a lot more than I normally would do day to day. Um, But it was good because all that work that I was doing for school um, gave, you know, I think bore, uh, it, it, it was just better, better outcome at the end because I was that much more intentional with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think from the other perspective is having it as a practicum, right? Cause it was things that Sean and I needed to do or as a group needed to do, but when it's a task, it's a task and you do a task because this required quite a bit more reflection to be able to meet mm. the expectations of the other piece. And the more we were able to reflect on it together to say, okay, if we do this, then these are the consequences or if we do this, so let's try to, let's try to meet these barriers head on and then reflect on what's going to be the best piece. So I do think even from a service provision point of view, having a framework of having somebody mandated and required to reflect on this practice um, helps with that kind of process. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody's busy, everybody's got lots going yeah. on. So a task is a task. Some tasks require more reflection and deliberate process um, than others. And this was one that um, is iterative. It should continue. There should be development ongoing as needs change as people come. So if you build a rigid system off the beginning, you're going to end up with a rigid system in the end. So I, th- I do believe this had a mutual benefit as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating what you just said about leadership and that idea of you were working with all of these community partners or working with all of these agencies but you weren't really in a hierarchical relationship with them. So when you think back about that time, 
Mm-hmm. What has being involved with Huddle taught you about interagency collaboration or communication? Any of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, two things immediately kind of come to mind for me. One is that um, there's a there's a big appetite in Brandon, and I think there has been for a while for working together on you know kind of big systemic problems right and mental health for youth has been something that's been really highlighted coming out of the pandemic Um, all our systems are overwhelmed schools are overwhelmed catc is overwhelmed right and 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 we want we want to change that so i i think when when i I don't have to do much convincing. I found right that I don't have to do much convincing when I'm talking to folks that there is a problem and we want to fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and we think that we can do it better when we engage more, more people. Um, the other thing that kind of has taught that, that this has taught me is that we all do come to our work in very different ways. Um, so as much as there's an appetite for change and wanting to, we, we naturally do what we do by default because it works where we are. Um, and when we come together uh, in, a share, in a public space that no one owns exclusively, then we're gonna run into like, oh, this works at my place and this works at my place and this works at my, and then it, it can become disorienting. Uh, what do we do here? Now there is some some help with with youth voice in that, right? Like youth are saying, this is what we need, right? So it, it can be orientating to have that kind of the youth voice orient um, doing that, and there can be a little bit of uh, like negotiation that goes on as well as we try to figure this out together. We'll try some things that are not going to work. Um, so, so I think I think interagency collaboration has to be. Uh, come at from the angle of I have something to offer here, but I'm not I'm not the expert on how all things go here. I need to hold what I offer with an open hand, mm-hmm. and we all need to be orientated around what youth need, and we're going to try things that are not going to work, and then we're going to make adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm learning so far. <laughs> it can be a fun puzzle piece aspect of because. Everything is a bureaucracy in a way, and everybody's got their ways of going forward. But sometimes if you don't recognize why certain things exist, you can miss the very valid reason why that exists or why that process exists. So generally accepting everybody's um, friction and and barriers as, okay, why are they there and what could Mm -hmm. we do with that? um, Allows you not to make the mistakes of the past at the same time, but also lets you go head on so we've had we've had some pretty straightforward conversations about well i don't think that that's that i believe that's a barrier that we should try to address and another agency says how they've gone around that barrier as, as sean was saying you can hear how people have worked around those things and you end up getting a, a better product than if one agency by themselves just sat mm-hmm. down and said this is what we're going to provide and you give us space for it um, which could have been the easy way right i have a space you come use it but we're intentionally trying to say, okay, what are we, who are we trying to serve and when and why and and what types of things do we want to input? So I think we see some tensions around um, 
agencies that have mm -hmm. lots of power potentially mm -hmm. um, and are often run by um, white leaders. Mm -hmm. And how do we do a good job of offering um, services for uh, youth who are often racialized um, and have different experiences in life than what we have. Hmm. Um, and that leads us to a question of positionality and your own positionality and how, um, in some ways, maybe how you can overcome um, the positions that you take up within the community mm -hmm. and become leaders that offer services to Indigenous youth, for example, mm -hmm. um, that will be truly supportive for them mm -hmm. and that they will feel welcome there and feel like mm -hmm. they belong within that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the positionality question is a great one uh, because we all come at the world from where we sit, right? Where we, you know, whether we're white or Christian working with a, you know, Christian organization, the Christians, Christian organizations, churches have not been um, welcoming in the past to indigenous populations for sure, right? Been part of colonization, that's terrible. Um, so, so it's a very valid question. Um, I think, I think what Huddle offers is, is um, an acceptance um, of that we all have position, our own positionalities, and there's potentials in that positionality and limitations, right? I, I as a white Christian identifying male, have have some or man have some have some potentials in that I hold some authority, whether it's earned or unearned, all right, uh, in, in our society. Um, and I can use that for good or for ill. Um, and, and I'm going to represent ill, no matter what I do to some folks. Um, and what I think, what I think Huddle offers though, is that we are orientated around the needs of youth. And we, um, it's not owned by any one organization. Um, so then it's not limited by that organization's uh, potential or positionality either or or those peoples, right? So so we really are, we as organizations here that are that are bringing huddle uh, into into existence are really dependent upon each other to do the best work that we can do. Um, for the youth that we are best positioned to serve. Um, we need um, Indigenous agencies to, to, to serve Indigenous youth and to become huddle for the, right, become the, the welcoming place for those Indigenous youth. We need, we need um, Prairie Mountain Health to offer clinical services that none of us, none of our other agencies are, are able to offer, I, I can't, at Westman Youth for Christ, we, we can't offer clinical services at the level that Prairie Mountain Health is able to. And we need to listen to each other on where, where our positionalities might be getting or, or ways of working might be getting in the way of welcoming welcoming youth that are, are, are trying to access service or need to access services. Um, 
I, I think we run into problems when one agency tries to do all of what they want to do because it limits, like they have potentials, but they also have limitations. And this, this allows for a way that we can, we can you kind of get into all of, all of them that becomes welcoming for you. In your journal with your practicum, you mm -hmm. were um, starting to look into um, building your base with uh, elders in the community. Right. Um, and you were doing some reading uh, mm -hmm. to try to help yourself to be more open. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell me where that's gone? Like even what you wrote in your journal, but where it's gone since then is what I'm interested in. <laughs> I already know the background. You didn't know your journal was going to become public. I did right? not know my journal would become public. Yeah. Well, I, I really like that part though. Like right. I think even your intention of choosing that as a topic in your journal right. is an illustration of your openness to learning and your recognition of your limitation right there. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that's part of what I saw modeled even with, with Chris and his intention of, of looking at indigenous ways of healing and wellness uh, within, you know, more of a, you know, a Western institution uh, that is our healthcare system, right? Like what are ways that we can embrace? And, and I, yeah, I think, I think when I started doing some reading around, around indigenous perspectives and colonization, um, and this has been, a longer journey, but like even, even through the practicum, it was a, a recognition again that I cannot be all things to all people. And I need to be open to hearing from those that might have very different perspectives and, and ways of, of doing life than I do. Um, and, and facilitating, um, I think Huddle can can help kind of facilitate that for me personally, but I think also for for all of us uh, trying to be helpful in in our community. Um, I haven't done enough in connecting with elders or other other um, indigenous leaders and and those involved in healthcare. We do have a very quite a strong relationship with Brandon Friendship Center and some of their staff there and our you know, st we've started since since the practicum. We started offering some indigenous perspective workshops on um, uh, ready to work, ready to rent that are way more narrative based, way less workshoppy. Um, it's it's telling stories and and um, and uh, having indigenous folks come in and, and share with youth on on how they've been able to find success in in finding housing or or, or, or work and, and jobs. Um, and I think, yeah, I think we need to be open to that, even though that wouldn't be the way I would go about educating, um, young people. And to give Sean a bit of a break and saying, I haven't done <laughs> enough is that it's never, there's never like an end point to that right. journey where, um, it's not a checkbox. It's it, we're, we're being pretty intentional and in making it not a checkbox and that mm -hmm. um, there's newcomer youth and there's indigenous youth and, and we have specific conversations about who may be underserved and how, how can huddle fit some of those gaps. Mm -hmm. um, we've, the integrated youth service has a way, like one of the intense intentions of, of, 
bringing everybody to the table is to take that positionality and flatten the playing field a little bit more to make it more of an equal decision-making framework. And that's the intent of bringing the youth to it as well, because youth don't get involved in the decision-making framework very often. So integrated youth services is a, is a good model to try to do that, to say, okay, how do we know if we're actually building what is needed? Mm -hmm. um, Sean and I also used the Indigenous Wellness Continuum from the Thunderbird Partnership as a, a basis of, of, our, of, of our discussions and some of our thought process um, with the Clinical Advisory Committee to have those discussions about who and when and why. So using a, a framework that, that, has been, that has been developed as an Indigenous Wellness framework, it allows us to think a bit differently as opposed to our here's my boxes, here's my steps, here's my tears, this is how I'm going to do it. And I always go there. I love tears and boxes and diagrams. Right. And I made a diagram for this, don't get me wrong. But using a bit of a different philosophy and development, and, and it's never going to be perfect. And that's why it's an iterative process just to continue with it. But you have to start somewhere and you need to be intentional with what those baseline building box to make sure you're not making yourself building blocks, literal <laughs> building blocks out of the service. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate what you both said about the voices of the youth being primary in the advisory board for, for Huddle. And I think that having those youth as the kind of bottom line of, you know, are we being successful in the things that we're doing makes total sense, given what mm -hmm. I've now learned about Huddle. I wonder sometimes that the areas where there's some differences in organizations, like you talked about, Sean, or those areas of rub where there's uh, different mandates or different philosophies, do you find yourselves feeling like in order to do what you need to do for the sake of the youth that are advising you, mm -hmm. you're kind of standing between sometimes the the demands of your organization or the reporting requirements of your organization or whatever the case is. And then there's you, and then there's what you're trying to do based on what the youth are requiring or asking for. Does there, how would you describe that? Or how would you talk about that? And maybe just more broadly, the things that you're learning about leadership in, in this journey of setting up Huddle. That's a pretty broad question, but I hope yeah. that made sense. I'll let I'll let Sean take most of it, but I'll just say that that's <laughs> that's the important part of the transformational mm -hmm. change that we want mm -hmm. is if you don't have a catalyst for that change, if you don't have that voice that's contrary to your process, mm -hmm. then the conflict doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So if you have if you have a conflicting view on something, that's the only way that it might actually change or shift. Mm -hmm. So I think I think it's probably the most important part of the integrated youth services as well as bringing everybody to the table is that there's going to be friction there's going to be conflict mm -hmm. but that's how you change your ideas that's how you think of new ways and it's the catalyst for this yep. yeah huddle is really that's you stole my answer yeah. for it. <laughs> just say it again and i'll split it and then we'll yeah. <laughs> but that but that's like system yeah, yeah if the point of huddle is system transformation for youth Mm -hmm. um, low access, low barrier, then there has to be friction within organizations mm -hmm. if that's not currently the reality. And it's not. We're hearing that mm -hmm. time and time again. So there has to be times that I 
I and my organization are at odds with each other mm -hmm. and we have to work through what does this mean? And, and if this is better for youth, which is what youth for Christ is about, if we're here, right. If this is better for youth, then what's stopping us from changing our system? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's true. I hope that's true in every organization that partners at huddle is that they have staff that will are willing to stand in that space between what youth need and what the organization is currently practicing or requires mm -hmm. and could be for very good reasons, but there needs to be tension mm -hmm. there. I think so. Yeah. And there's some simple examples of um, who should hire this position. Ah. Um, and there's certain organizations that have certain needs or requirements. So I work for Paramount Health, which is a large organization and, and hiring and um, and it's a unionized environment in HR. It's a very different area. Um, so we're hiring uh, or, or working on bringing positions on from Paramount Health that fit that kind of environment and require that kind of structure. And then there's other areas where it's, well, we need this kind of expertise or influence or this kind of expertise or influence and, 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 and huddle and, and um Sean have that ability to say, okay, well, this is what the youth say we need, and there's this is how we can get that, and this is how we can make it make sense. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, I think that's been a, a great benefit for who who brings what to the table. Let's use the best of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe you would tell us a little bit about the timeline for the process and your plans, and then talk to us about in the amount that you've progressed so far mm -hmm. what has surprised you within that time frame well i i came on last year in october so chris could talk best about like from the beginning and sure. then i could pick it up later i was going to give you a hard time and say sean wanted to go faster <laughs> oh yeah oh i do i have it right here i do want to so go he'll, faster he'll, he'll get there that he would like to go faster for sure but this is this is a pretty monumental task and and yeah. my hope is that this is just a small version of what what the next step and the next step are so they've announced two additional huddles in manitoba already mm -hmm. so that'll bring it up to eight, eight. i believe yeah. so the hope is is that this is like there are needs in the mental health and addiction system that need to be filled. And this is one of those needs that with expansion can be very beneficial to everybody. But um, the timeline from, from kind of proposal to now, I always look at things the same way. And I'm like, you know, well, I got to get these tasks done. I need to move it along. But situations like this, the time is important and the intention is important. And if we rushed into something, then we'd, make a couple of mistakes that could affect reputation or affect how people access it. So I feel like we're in a pretty good place for the timeline and where we've, where we've developed, there are a consistent list of services being provided at huddle. We're working to integrate what that means and what, how do you get to those things, right? It, it needs to have some navigation to it and, and all those pieces, but that piece, like each piece builds on top of each other piece and everything is intersecting in some way that it doesn't, it doesn't happen really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I would say that each huddle in Manitoba has gone through quite a different process in how to get there. But that's kind of the beauty of the model, too, is that you can take a local perspective on what mm -hmm. the needs are and develop from there. So on one hand, I would say it would be great to have everything flushed out and everything good to go. And we were just operating. But that doesn't build that intentional continual change that's required to make sure you're meeting the needs as opposed to, okay, it's developed, run it. Okay, well, it, it might always feel like we're developing it. It may never feel mm. like it's done. And getting to that thought process is difficult for me just to say, okay, that task is done, but I have a feeling this is one of those, if you're doing it right, you always feel like you're growing and developing the program. As you mm. move forward. Yeah. Yeah, I would, some of the things I found surprising I think in my first year, it's just over a year since I started in the director role, is that it takes a lot longer than I thought it would. I thought I'd be able to have a couple conversations and we could start moving things along. And it actually, I just have a great example of this that happened today. I, I started a conversation with an organization about two months ago and I wanted, wanted a huddle peer supporter to be able to meet with the youth that were going to this place. And then that would form a relational bridge to some of the services that we provide that they don't. And, and we don't want to duplicate what they're already doing. So then we can be in that space at the same time. And just yesterday I got an email, Hey, we're looking ahead to our schedule in January. When can a huddle peer supporter be here consistently? And I'm like, Oh, that took two months. <laughs> right. And, and I thought it would be one conversation and it, and it was, but there was some more engagement in between. And, but that's kind of how huddle works. Like it's people love the idea when they hear about it, then they have to think about, Oh, how does this look in within what, what's our role? What's your role? How's this going to look? And it takes time and just, and, and me being okay with that is, <laughs> is big, the biggest problem in all of it. I think, um, the other thing that I think has been a bit of a surprise for me, just be, just in talking to other IYS sites across Canada, um, specifically Kelowna, Vancouver, and, and one in Kenora, is that they all experienced like a flood of youth and just huge demand when the doors were open. And we haven't had that here. Um, I don't know exact, I don't know why. I mean, we're also open to like, Basically, at the end of the pandemic, it was still kind of almost locked or just came out of lockdown in May with grand opening. So some of that, I think, plays into it. Some of it might be our location. Some of it's just getting the name out there, the word. Um, and I think that's actually OK, again, because we're slowly building um, and able to make adjustments without the frantic day to day of I don't know how to manage this volume. I think we'll get there yet, though. Um, so I think we require a little bit of that too, because that's a bit of the youth advisory by itself is that you can build for what you think is going to come. And then when things come, you, that's the iteration where you change again. Right. So you get to 20 youth where you're like, well, I didn't think that was going to happen. So let's, yeah. let's do the next stage. Let's see how we can fill that need. Yeah. So if you could give some advice to new students that are, maybe heading into a practicum, maybe mm -hmm. not, what would your advice be? And Chris, you can feel free to jump in as well from a supervisor <laughs> if you've got advice. <laughs> okay. I would say like, um, I would say like, don't just, please don't make this a make work project for yourself. 
like look at what you are already doing and you want to grow in or look at something that you want to grow towards. Maybe there's a staff or a supervisor that you, you find their practice like helpful or appealing or compelling and you want to learn more with like find a way to sit with them and and reflect on your own practice or or learn about what they are doing um that will that will help you in in you in engaging kids or, or whatever kind of your work is what i've loved about bu all along is i'm not in an active teaching role but so much of what um Brandon University Master of Education and Administration and Leadership has offered me applies like and the practicum is like times 20 because I can shape it. Um, so I'd say like take full advantage of the work you're already doing or want to do and and find a find a practicum that that's going to complement that. It's like an advertisement for your program. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I'd like as far as advice goes. I, I'm not in a position for that, but I generally, anytime somebody does something that they have either an extreme curiosity or passion for, then it's just going to be much more enjoyable and, and go yeah, for it. Agreed. And one of Sean's strengths is that he can be curious about whatever he's doing at that time. Um, but if you have a curiosity <laughs> or a, a passion for something, then that's going to definitely make your practical much more worthwhile. That's good advice. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> so one more question. Yeah. Um, for teachers working within the education system, hmm. um, how would they recommend or um, sort of channel students with needs towards Huddle? Um, just reach out. So, I mean, they can connect with it. We're, we're, I mean, we're a youth serving agency that are very youth focused. Our youth advisory committee is very active on Instagram. So we're on Instagram and Facebook and uh, a lot of our youth referrals are coming like, like just direct messages on Instagram and we want to be that low barrier. So any way that works best for a teacher, a youth, we are answering that call and, uh, or answering that message, whatever that looks like. So email, Facebook, Instagram. If we do this right, there won't be a wrong door to get there. Yeah. No matter where you go, because it's supposed to be integrated, you're going to get the right service at the right time in the right places. So um, eventually, hopefully that's not a question that needs to be asked. It's mm -hmm. just a complete mm -hmm. integration into the system. But uh, that's the point, is the low barrier being able to access. One of the things that Sean, one of the connections he has made is that we do do an integrated teen clinic in the high schools in Brandon specifically. Um, so making that direct connection back is really important. And it's kind of like drawing the web of, of where you can go and then what's the next step. Mm -hmm. And Huddle um, serves as a really great place to be the center of that, um, to be able to draw those lines that, you know what, we don't have what you need, but we know exactly where to go to get what you need as well. The, inter the integration or the connection between all those services is important in the school division is a large portion of the mental health and addiction system for kids. So it's an important connection to, to be able to have. Mm -hmm. So we'll link to all your social media in yeah, the perfect. notes to the show so that anybody who's listening can click and go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. This has been a great conversation. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it a lot. Good. I, I, I had heard of Huddle. I think I read about it in the Brandon Sun a few mm -hmm. months ago. 
but um, I didn't know very much about it. So I learned a lot and appreciate your thoughts around interagency collaboration and leadership. And enjoyed it a lot. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you. You've been listening to Leaning In and Speaking Out, a Research Connection podcast from Brandon University. For more episodes or to learn more about the BU Cares Research Center, please visit our website at bucares.ca or you can come find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcast.